I'm Kathleen. And I'm Dee. And you're listening to Mamas with Attitude, otherwise known as MWA. Interesting, cool, South African relevant yeah. content. Yeah. Um, on where we were at. Mm-hmm. You know, motherhood just comes to take on its different shapes and forms. Mommy's a bounce. Mommy's a bounce. Is mama's the Jesus. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. You're in another zone, but you're totally out of the twilight. Mama, 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 mama. Hello, and welcome back to MWA and our fourth episode. We are starting to churn the engines again, D. Um, where we there was a long hiatus and we've now this is the second time that we're seeing each other in not so long which is nice don't you feel like we should give each other a high five high five (laughs) okay so Dee how has your week been how have things been with you the week's been fine good the usual kind of humdrum and not so much has changed since I last saw you Mm -hmm. so yeah and you at least you have the yeah things are changing for me all the time exactly I've got a five week old. Mm-hmm. so i'm back in that space where it feels like everything is quite fluid we, as we were just saying like i need starting to settle into some semblance of normal but i don't know what that means and for how long considering that he's a three major and amu is growing and it's really nice to have a mm. small baby i'm not even gonna lie like it's really nice the snuggles and the cuddles and the mm. fact that like i can hold him hostage and you can't do that with a three-year-old who just doesn't want to like be held down and you're enjoying it more this time out much much more and i think i enjoyed the pregnancy too much more and again if you're old and you're like look listening to this in like archives or whatever baby i love you too but like you know amu has just been in in a way easier i think i'm also just less anxious maybe Mm. as a mom so yeah so it's all been good i'm not looking forward to going back to work if the truth be told this time around like it feels like Mm. because i'm enjoying it so much i kind of want to stay in the space yeah and I don't know what that means, but work is not on the horizon anytime soon. So I've got some time to enjoy. So in the studio with us today <laughs> is um, a very good friend of mine and somebody who is also a mom and also raising two boys. I'm not going to speak too much on your behalf, Lynn, but I will say that you do have two boys. One is five, um, Zuzo, and the other one, Livy, is three. And we had, well, I had Akani and you had Livy a week apart, yeah. right? Yep. So we were very much pregnant together for part of it. Mm. And I think that my interest and my sense around this particular episode was really talking about how we raise our boys and how we raise our boys when you self-identify as being feminist or when we self-identify as being feminist. And I think that this is a topical one anyway for me because one, I have two boys but two, and I'm a feminist. But two, it's interesting for me that like a lot of my really good girlfriends who are all strong, who all self-identify as, as feminists, are all having boys and the what's hilarious is the first time that they find out that they're having boys with the exception of you d actually mm. you were quite chilled about it mm. but when yes. they find out that they're having boys they're like what the fuck what is this mm. yeah and how am i gonna raise a boy that is you know not gonna perpetrate violence or not gonna be a problem or not gonna subscribe to toxic masculinity or whatever that looks like so i thought very much that we could try and like have meander our conversation along that vein but mm. i thought that you were really interesting to chat to because you've worked in the ngo sector for a uh, 
fair amount of time around gender studies, speaking around gender, speaking around feminism. You've done some work in the LG, no, LBTQ space. <laughs> <laughs> and your background is around gender um, and sociology. So I think that you've got a really interesting lens to kind of apply to some of the ways in which you're raising your boys. But likewise, I think also being in a heteronormative relationship, you know, yeah. it's some, something that you're perpetually, it's a dance, yeah. right? Yeah. So Lynn Kumado, thank you so much for joining us today. Guys, thank you for having well, me. Come, I'm Lynn. so excited because I'm such a fan. I'm like a fangirl of your show, so <laughs> of the podcast. So I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Cool, thank you. You. Okay, so maybe can I just ask you to speak a little bit about yourself and like okay. your family, like your, your relationships within your family, but also your work, however you self-identify. Just tell us a little bit about you. Okay, a little bit about my family, maybe I think with how it would relate to particularly to this topic. So I grew up in a very traditional home, Swazi traditional, very strong patriarch of a father who was, you know, quite strict and, you know, very clear gender norms and lines and not just my like sort of nuclear i mean i don't know if you can have a nuclear family in a in a black or swazi culture but sure. say my parents mm. and the kids that mm. were basically around us including myself so very strict very yeah just very anything traditional you can think of was that and i think that's really where a lot of the roots of how i started to think about gender roles normative behavior etc etc started because for as long as i could remember the statement my family always said to me over and over again was that girls can't do that you can't sit like that you can't eat that you can't sit with the men you can't ask that question you talk too much you can't climb trees you can't wear shorts and it's so interesting, I was talking to my sister a few weeks ago, my older sister, and she was laughing at how, when I was younger, my mother would buy us these matching dresses, and I hated them, like, hated them. <laughs> and I had these shorts, these orange shorts that I loved, that I wore, like, every day. Like, I would hide them from uh, our helper, our auntie, because she would wash them, and then I had to have nothing to wear. And I think it really just came from feeling like there was something wrong with me, because of the way in which the kind of normative behavior was, was totally sort of counterintuitive in my spirit, in my heart, mm -hmm. to who I felt I was. And I didn't have a name for it until I got to varsity and I did my first gender 101 class and I was like, oh my God, this is a real thing. And so that's where I think, and this is why like I have like a, I don't call it an obsession, but sometimes I feel like sometimes I think feminism is my religion and mm -hmm. I say this, I say this with all of the caveats mm. that come with how we now, you know, define it and understand it. Because for me, it was the way in which the world was interpreted and I understood yeah. what those boundaries were. That were not written, that were not spoken, but everybody knew and I was born not knowing them. And felt like I was just challenging them purely mm. just by expressing myself. Mm. And in that way, you begin to see, um, you know, as a kid... I always say to women who say they're not feminist, I say, you know, you say you're not feminist because of, you know, probably whatever the way in which it's been described. Mm -hmm. But if I explain patriarchy to you and I explain it in the way that it makes you feel, mm -hmm. there's no way you don't know what that shit is. Mm -hmm. There's no way you don't know what it feels like to be restricted mm -hmm. because of your body yeah. mm -hmm. and to be told how to dress, how to speak, mm -hmm. who to speak to, mm -hmm. to understand in whatever cultural environment you come from, what is an acceptable place or space for women and what isn't mm. and so so that's a background of like kind of how i grew up i have five other siblings and um the second of six mm. yeah we're all very very different and yeah. from a very young age i mean before i even identified as anything they would used to call me the mad lesbian feminist <laughs> because <laughs> because i was you know anti without trying to be i don't think i was trying yeah. to be anti mm. and then when i felt like people were 
trying to then I was like yes mm. I will rebel yeah. you know and then so I grew up and yeah I went to varsity did the things and then I met my now husband uh, Bongani when I was like in my late 20s yeah. got married quite quickly and then that messed me in the head too because nobody tells you well I don't know I think they tell us but I wasn't listening I don't, I don't they know they don't tell you they don't tell us right I don't, don't know I don't know you. just the kind of fuckery I think that stereotypical kind of patriarchal roles are like embedded in your soul in your mind yeah. and even though you grow up trying to fight them you yeah. don't really have many pictures of what other types of relationships and friendships mm. look like within that mm. space mm. You, you gravitate to what you know but you're fighting it mm. it's just it's a mess mm. so for the first couple of years it really messed with my head and Kath was there to see that <laughs> She knows very well. Until I was trying to figure out who I wanted to be, what kind of relationship I wanted to have. Mm. And then I got pregnant with my first son, which was another mess in the head. Because then I was like, oh my God, now I'm actually bringing a whole man. And also working in the space for many years, you realize that the men or the people that, you know, support any form of patriarchy are people too. You realize that it's not like some strange evil people that were born in another island. They were born <laughs> from women, you know. <laughs> women who you know, or, you know, women who are flesh and blood like you. And I think in the back of my mind, I've always felt this thing like, no, no mother, at least not that I know of, or that I've read about in research, like, thinks about when they're having their child, I'm raising somebody who's going to be yeah. a terror. Yeah. Or I want to raise somebody who's going to be a misogynist. Yeah. I don't think anybody consciously thinks mm. that but somewhere mm. along the line you you know those people are here but i think it's also about that blueprint where it's exactly what you're saying it's so deeply embedded in your your soul in your mind or whatever the case is and when you're in uncharted terrain whether that be parenting or whether that be marriage you kind of go back to like this blueprint that's in your head that's and that's kind of unshakable like you've been criticizing it you've been but it's so much of your life you spend on autopilot so you find yourself saying things or doing things that you five years ago would have heavily criticized but you're too exhausted now because you've been up four or five times during the course of the night you know or whatever that fundamentally looks like or just because adulting is so damn hard and adulting with a partner partner in a convention called marriage can be even harder so mm, it's just fascinating well, yeah i think it's i think all of this is super interesting because you're both you're speaking about like slippages right yeah. in traditional yeah. kind of like you said conventions and spaces so both within mothering but also within like cishet relationships and what that looks like yeah. so this is also i mean i struggle with similar things i we think all three of us do clearly learn i it's new to me the things you're saying so it's, yeah. it's actually really interesting and also to hear how you're articulating it and stuff i guess my question is so i actually chose quite unconventionally right. I, I did I, I didn't choose someone who presented as very patriarchal right. or very traditional and that certainly came with its challenges but i i think one of the biggest challenges actually that it still presents to me because yeah. that marriage that relationship is now over yeah. although we share a, a child so it's actually not over in another way yeah. is that i got the things that i wanted yeah. Right, so I didn't want to marry someone who presented in a traditional way, you know. Charlene Khan, uh, who's a an artist, and I don't know if either of you know have heard of her. She's an artist, but she's also an, a scholar. She did this beautiful work called "When the Moon Waxes Red." It's basically the story. So she she narrates the story of her mother's life with her stepfather, right. and she she speaks as her mother, and she speaks about the beatings and how he mm. like he he really and how he molested her sisters and mm. so just really really hectic and this was in durban in like the 80s right. and you know she says how she left and then she came back and you know one day she got up and she said you know just 
she, she was home for holly she says you know just stop just stop doing this whatever and she through this work and i've heard her speak a little bit about it and also in the in the catalog she says you know she's doing this dance with patriarchy mm. where she says you're what a fuck up you know mm. but this man also loved us so intensely mm. and i mean i i can't tell you like how much that it gives me like thriller. like mm. i'm just like wow like that's actually the narrative for so many of us yeah. like you said like a patriarchal home there's certain like norms and you look at it now or you look at it when you're partnering right yes. or you look at it when your your kid you know you're pregnant whatever and you, you're thinking about these things you're going well i'm not going to do that and i'm not going to do that and i'm not going to do that <laughs> and then you're going okay yeah and you know this is what i didn't like about my household and oh, my father was just so, uh, uh, you know and mm. you know when charlene met my dad i'm sure she won't mind me saying this but she she met my dad every time she sees him because her stepfather this deeply troubling one who she also loved so much has subsequently died as has her mother but she mm. sees my dad and she weeps and she goes mm. you remind me so much of him i miss him so much I miss you so much and I literally look at her and my eyes like go big because I'm just like we all we recognize these traits and some of them we love and we we look for them in partners and so anyway all of this to say I went out into the world I went I'm not looking for those things and I turned around and I went oh but you also need some of those things and i'm not sure some of those things need to be in the language of patriarchy Mm. but we also don't it's really hard to know what the alternatives are right hello dahlia i love you oh that's nice of you to say is he sponging me is he sponging you yes what's a sponge it's when you talk to people and me or Tawi. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's what a sponge is? Yes. I've never heard of this word. I think it's a great word. Like when D sponges me. Auntie D. Hmm? Okay, so it's so just to say that when the moon waxes red really resonated so much for me because, and I think it does for many of us, mm. because it's the work and the stuff of how many of us grew up, mm. right? In homes, like loving homes, but complex homes. Mm. And I think that those are the things that were not so much spoken about before that mm. we are speaking about now, mm. or at least trying to, mm. right? So, yeah, I don't know. Then my question is how, so I didn't choose those kinds of conventions. Mm. In, in, in what I imagined would be very interesting and productive relationship. And I think we both recognized, my ex-husband and I, we both recognized at some point that life was more complex and we did need more kind of regular structure and routine. But at the same time, that was actually never going to be his life. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it was so much of a quote unquote aspiration of mine. So I wasn't working a full-time job, but you know, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> yeah. So my question to you is, and I suppose to you, Kath, is how do the two of you feel every day is there more joy than there is disappointment is there more eye rolling than there is okay cool i'm here and i'm sitting and i'm asking the two of you this purposefully because i mean okay i know more about your life than i do about yours but just like i i recognize that all relationships face challenges and particularly marriages require of people to say the commitment is an everyday commitment yeah. and i know what it feels like to like just like throw up your hands in the middle of that nine months pregnant and be like yeah cool yeah just not gonna come month later yeah still not no not in the mood you know and 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 then seeing friends <laughs> go through similar things and (coughs) 
also throw their hands up but go, oh, yeah, I live with you. Okay. And so there are things about the normative that I think is useful and beautiful, but I, I, I think it's a genuine question. Like, how does that work for you both? Gosh, you ask only the easy questions, <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> Jesus. <sighs> I honestly... I don't know how to answer this question, but as you were talking, I was thinking a couple of things, right? Okay. Because I think you can also ignore me and just <laughs> divert <laughs> and be completely just awkward and just act like want. I didn't hear the question. No, I think but it's... then you have to answer, <clears throat> right. I, I think it's, it's, it's a really important question and I think mm. it's a very hard question because mm. I think initially in my head and before I got into a marriage relationship, yes, a lot of the things were like frames in my head. Do you know that? Does that make sense? Yes. It was Which is different, right? You said a marriage relationship. Yes, because that changed. Yeah. It okay. changed from when we were, because we started up as friends, and then we dated, mm-hmm. and then, then we got married. And for me, each iteration changed. And fairly quickly. And fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. In quick, we were friends for a long time, but yeah, everything yeah. else yeah. Okay. was a quick succession. Um, like how quick? So we were friends for about 10 years, and That's then long. we got together probably in about, in August, of 20, 2009. Hmm. Okay. We got engaged in December of 2009. We lowballed wow. in April of 2010 and got married in November, November. of 2010. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So very, very fast. Okay. For me, which is might be different from Kat's experience and other women, I had always imagined I would marry. Like as in one day I want to dye my hair blonde. Yeah. You know? And until I do that, I figure I'll find a person yeah, or yeah. I'll get the dye or I don't know what the hell I'll do. Yeah. And so because I don't think I've ever really deeply kind of grappled with that, it messed with my head a lot. Because in my mind, I had, like I'm saying, it was a framing of, this is the frame that I kind of would like to see, but I didn't really thrash out how or what that would look like, Hmm. or even what you're suggesting, which is when you were talking, I was thinking one of the hugest challenges we have is that I don't know that we have yet finished as a collective of people thinking through a feminist alternative or another alternative. But that's what I was going to say, is that in a way you can't thrash out what what that looks like, because practically... And certainly not not as a collective, but I do also think... That Does even it, having a collective narrative in a way yeah. could be helpful because then you can it's kind of tailor be. that. There's no alternative narrative. But I, I think even just I journaling people, on your own, like yeah. journeying, sorry, mm. on your own with the, some of those questions mm. is useful. Mm. I think it's useful mm. because. No, no, I hear you that it's useful, but I'm saying that in a way you I just I don't yeah, even know can't. what does that fundamentally practically look like? Right. Because I, then I it does, disagree. Sorry, Lynn. Finish, yeah. finish. No, I don't even know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say, I disagree with you because this is the stuff of like feminist practice in the everyday. So how women who, when you look at them through like, you know, an analytical framework and you're thinking yeah. like, ah, oh, yeah. this isn't feminist, this isn't yeah. feminist. Women do feminist things all the time Absolutely. in small ways. They, you know, in small increments, find ways to get out of abusive relationships. Some of them stay in problematic relationships because they know it's a better choice for them. It's a better choice mm-hmm. for the family in, in terms of like finance or whatever. So I'm saying all of this to say, I think that women make feminist choices all the time. Not and I don't choices. think, no, no, I know. But you're speaking about an alternative kind of narrative that we can, that we have access to or that is somehow like available to more of us. So no, what I'm saying is that I don't know. And, I, and I've, maybe I've picked up on the wrong end of the stick from what Lynn was saying, but is that I knew I wanted to get married and I didn't actually know this about myself until mm-hmm. I encountered a storybook that I put together of my life. 
Mm. And in that storybook, I then, I was 12 at the time, I then wrote, I intend to get married and I intend to have two children. And like, wow. and it was interesting now looking back at myself, now married with two kids, to be like, wow. damn, at 12, I was quite clear around what this would look like. Yeah. That said, I was raised in a single, in a single parented household, right? Mm-hmm. My parents were never together. The relationships that I did see were problematic relationships. So already I'm ascribing something that is very unknown for me as to what mm. that means, right? And it's supposedly supposed to bring a of joy or stability whatever that looks like in my 12 year old brain but what i'm saying is that even in thinking through then i was in a 10-year relationship very clear i didn't want to ever get married i was only going to have kids with a person not that eventually not that person maybe somebody else then meet joey now i want to get married right Mm, mm. i'm comfortable enough to get married to this person and figure out what that means for us and i was always clear that I would like a relationship that is healthy and whole right. and happy right. and stable right. and that you have responsibilities and I have responsibilities and, and transparent and honest and open, right? Mm. Those were the kind of broad, like abstract ideas that I could bring to, to the discussion around what that relationship looked like and how it practically functioned. Mm. My issue is, is that I do think feminism trips me up regularly in the sense that I feel like I'm left to do a lot of the grunt work, right? Of the day-to-day, <clears throat> the day-to-day grind, the bearing of the kids, the social reproduction in the household all of that kind of shit right so my issue is is Mm. i've never had an alternative kind of like series of theories whether it be Mm. like or or somebody speaking about it or writing about it around these are the things that we do to make it function practically a heteronormative relationship in a heteronormative capitalist problematic world this is what what one can do and i don't feel like i've engaged maybe necessarily enough with what those look like i'm not saying stepping out of a relationship that's problematic i'm saying how do you make a relationship that by and large is a good relationship but is still a heterosexual heteronormative relationship how do you make that function without feeling like you're compromised as as a as a feminist individual okay so i have one question then you might want to say something in response but i have one question to the both of you which is did you marry feminist men no i don't know what that is well, uh, look, on the one hand, I think it's a question we can like get into what philosophically. What do you mean by it? What I mean by that is, did you both, ma- did well, what yeah. as individuals, yeah. did you marry men who were up for that part of the project? So Joey said that yeah. he was. <clears throat> but in a way, and this is what I'm saying, is that you can't theorize or think through, you can theorize and think through, right, what you want that practically to look like. Joey has never, ever doubted who I am as a person, mm. right? But when the shit hits the fan and you're adulting and you don't have the space or the room in a day to kind of navigate those things together in a way that is like, I don't know, like well yeah. thought or whatever, it's very often you fall back on these like these blueprints mm. that are so deeply problematic. Because mm. I, I so, think by and large, mm. reproductive work is still women's work. Yeah. Mm. Even in, in social in, reproduction. Uh, social mm. reproduction, all of it, mm. right? It's still very much women's work. It's still very much, you know, the primary role in that space. So Bongani is, I don't know, I don't know what feminist male means. Look, I don't even know if I agree with the term, but I mean, it's one that gets bandied about. He he definitely, like Kath is saying, he's definitely more aligned to that. Because I also, like you, you know, was like, I do not want somebody who's going to da 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 I mean, he really isn't that person. But when I moved to Joburg, for instance, right? I moved, he tried to move to Swaziland, didn't work out, he couldn't get a job or whatever. I was still like starting out in my career. So it made sense for me to move to Joburg. But for the first year, I wasn't working. So already, you are automatically 
put into sure. those kind of roles. I work in the NGO sector. It doesn't matter how high up I go. He's always going to earn more than me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, unless mm-hmm. I don't know what would happen. Unless I become like Bill and Melinda and I have my own money or something. <laughs> so, you know, automatically there's some of those things that then transcend our own relationship because yeah. structurally it becomes a yes. thing. But small things like, for instance, a lot of the activities that we do in the afternoons or whatever, that kind of, you know, role that usually would fall to a mom, he does that. He's better at it. He leads on that. I suck at it it's hard i don't want to sit there watching kids swim i'm sorry kids i love you i don't he on the other hand is there taking photos it's him but it's also meant i have also had to learn to support him to kind of flourish in that role mm. because not a lot of, not a lot of guys are doing that or want to do that or if they do want to they work jobs that don't allow them to he has flexibility in his role that it allows him to be able to do that mm-hmm. you know and we have one or two friends who are also who are male who are also kind of you know into that so you know i I think it's a mixed match. I think for me, what I realized when I was saying earlier that it, in my mind, it was always like a, it was a framing. It was a theory. It was a mm. way in which I saw the world. And then what for me, what matching what Kath is saying, that it, it really messed me in the head was that mm. nobody ever spoke or I never heard or I never read and I haven't yet. And I don't know. I mean, you know, lots of stuff is out there. Mm. You know, the reality about relationshiping mm. with somebody. Mm. Because mm. relationshiping with somebody means you journey with them through your kak and their yeah. kak yes. and your pain and their yes. pain. Mm-hmm. And and the boundaries there come with the relationship you have, mm. and the power dynamics there come with whatever you guys negotiate, mm. you know. But there's also a lot of kind of hard, and and you were also alluding to that to say women choose to stay, for example, for whatever mm. reason they choose to stay. Mm. But oftentimes people feel like you didn't choose because mm. it looks like. Mm. You know, it's a tough situation. It's like it's a victim narrative really, automatically. Absolutely. Mm. And, it, and it really, really isn't. So I think for me, um, I don't remember your question at all, Dee. Do you remember Dee's last no, question? No, I was asking whether you two felt you like, you know. No, it, I, I think, we, yeah. I think, and I don't know, if, I feel like it's the same. I think we chose people that we felt did not necessarily, were not like the patriarchal, heteronormative. Yes kind of va 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 but that doesn't mean that that hasn't played out in our relationships Mm -hmm. and that we've chosen Mm -hmm. I have I can't speak for Kath Mm -hmm. I've chosen when I'm like okay this is just not it yeah Mm -hmm. and some things where I felt like you know what I'm actually too tired yeah Uh, it's actually exhausting and in the greater scheme of things this doesn't actually Mm -hmm. upend my life Mm -hmm. but this on the other hand does and that's the one that I'm gonna fight for Mm -hmm. sure yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) no i think these are really interesting conversations to have because i think many of us sit with this stuff and we don't know whether your closest girlfriend or you don't know because there's also a lot of posing and performance around feminist practices and what it looks like to be a feminist right and certainly in relation to um cishet relationships there's a lot of like i don't want someone like that you know and i i I do get it but i also i think it is important to have these conversations so yeah but what's also interesting is that relationships fundamentally are about compromise right Mm -hmm. and i think that that's the difficulty Mm -hmm. that you find yourself in because you feel so heavily criticized by this like no i want to challenge you and say i don't think relationships but i think marriage is about there's a lot of compromise in marriage yeah not all relationships and certainly not all marriages certainly long-term committed I think relationships long-term committed relationships are similar agreed Chloe, what did mommy say nothing nothing yeah i don't think so yes no yes no yes I don't think so. Yes. I think 
long-term relationships, the, whether they be marriages or otherwise, if you're Agreed. looking to build anything with a person for any extended amount of time, I think you have to make compromises. And yeah. it's exactly what you're saying then around like you're seeing this person through their worst, like you're seeing them through their best, right? Yeah. But I know that I've been at dinner tables or whatever where you say this and there's a feminist response to like, ah, I would never put up with that shit. That shit is not. And you're like, Absolutely. but I'm with a person who has been brought up as a male in a fairly patriarchal space, mm. we're navigating what that looks like. He too is dealing with what patriarchy fundamentally means for him and what he's willing to enact of patriarchy and what he doesn't think is, is necessary or yeah. doesn't think is permissible of patriarchy. Yeah. And he's doing that perpetually in relation to me and it's a dynamic conversation, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a conversation where if you're in a good space with somebody, you can have a conversation yeah. over and over and over again for mm. the rest of your lives. Mm. And you're perpetually navigating and perpetually sorting through. Yeah. But I do think that I haven't found it helpful in a and you know, babes, I'm all about the pragmatic and all about the practical. Like, mm -hmm. pragmatically, mm -hmm. that's how relationships for me function. That's the mechanism of functioning a relationship is mm -hmm. how do we pragmatically or practically deal with this? What does that fundamentally look like? And that's why I get frustrated when it's these kind of deeper-seated issues where mm -hmm. there are maybe no words, there are no conversations, there's no blueprint for mm -hmm. what that fundamentally looks like. And quite frankly, if I have to be honest, there's no blueprint for Joey, for a woman so like me. It. Yep. Right? Yep. He doesn't know what that looks like because yep. his mother is very conservative, mm -hmm. quite traditional, has done a lot of the stuff. And here I am saying, fuck, I don't enjoy cooking every fucking day, guy. Like, you must figure that shit out too. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And he doesn't know what to do with that because mm -hmm. he's like, I remember him saying to me once, this is when I think I was pregnant with Amu, but he was like, you know, sometimes, and it was a hard thing for him to say because he had to check himself. And then eventually he was like, this is how he feels. And he mm -hmm. knows that it's not the right thing to say. So he was going to say it anyway. Mm -hmm. He was like, you would think that like this would be something that you would enjoy doing for your family like you must enjoy it for your family therefore you should be doing it and cooking. you should be doing cooking or like just social reproduction in the household right mm. you like you should do it with joy in your heart and i was like check yourself nigga ah no one enjoys doing this shit and regardless of what you're saying like i'm not going to be sitting here singing the heels of motherfucking alive while i like wash <laughs> your underpants like hand wash it. and that's his mom his mom lays out clothes for his dad and like does all of that shit i'm not that person he knew that going in but pra practically, practically now that he's confronted with it on a day-to-day -day and on yeah. shit days where it's like yeah. if only my clothes were laid out for me or yeah. whatever that looks like mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. yeah. so it's like a perpetual dance absolutely absolutely because also you are unwittingly learning and unlearning somebody else and with yourself and all this yeah. stuff as absolutely. well yeah because you know like you know Bungan and i will often have arguments about stuff and in my head i'll just be like you sound like like it's my dad like you're mm. not listening to me you're mm. speaking over me mm. because you're not listening to me mm. you know and i don't he's not doing that aware yeah, yeah and it's very easy to be like yeah well this is the nature of of, of you know heteronorm heterosis relationships and the power dynamics will always be like that and that's great if you're going to choose an alternative relationship mm. 100%. or if you know you are n not straight mm. but if you are and this is what you've chosen then it needs to be, i mean for me it has to be then a different relationship that says this is the person that i chose Mm. and I chose them with my eyes wide open mm. they know who I am and I know who they are they don't know how we're rolling out I mean it's the same thing Bonnie often doesn't know what to he's just like what, what kind of a creature are you yeah. like what do you want yeah. mm. we're gonna be nine years married and he still will say to me 
I don't really know, you know, and I don't think it's because I'm complex, okay, I'm complex, but I don't think it's because I'm hard or tough to know. I think it's because there's no stereotype for us. It's a journey all the time. Yeah. And I say to him often, I'm growing, I'm learning, and yeah. I don't know that I'm going to be the same person next year, but mm. I'm going to love you. But also, mm. like the... If you think about the historical trajectory, granted we've had feminism for quite some time, like yeah. where, you know, women have been enacting their feminism since, I don't know, 1950s when they were out in the workplace or whatever, yeah. or white women specifically and black <coughs> women in other ways. But I think that for me, my thing is, is we're so early in this journey that no one knows what the fuck is Absolutely. going on. No one knows. And if Absolutely. you're, as you say, if you're choosing a heterosexual relationship with a man who's been raised in a patriarchal space. And you've been raised in a patriarchal space. You are bound to have and really everything. complex conversations. Mm everything that comes at you is still that it doesn't matter like you will see adverts where you're like they're trying to say that uh, women need to do xyz or are able but they're just failing because the narrative is just so patriarchal yeah that it's actually just perpetuating what's already existing yeah. i think it's yeah. i think it's tough it's tough for all of us and the other mm. day a couple of months ago maybe it was like last year we were driving to school in the morning Moani was eating mm. so i'm like because i don't really like driving you know kath knows but so, so, so i say okay baby you're eating I'll drive. So Zuzo says, Mom, why are you sitting in Daddy's chair? Hmm. Wow. I drive them to school. Particularly at that time, I was driving them to school every morning. Hmm. That it was just, it was how, you know, right. Moani was leaving very, very early. So I was driving them to school. That threw me, like my head spun for a second. I was just like, I, I'm like, Zuzo, who drives you to school every damn morning? And then he goes, you do. And who picks you up? And who does this? And who does this? And who does this? Driving you. You do. So how is this your dad's chair? I don't even understand. And I leaned over you know, just <laughs> because I was like, am I doing anything yeah, to make him feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. this is this is it? Yeah. But it isn't. It's the messaging. It's, mm. it's you know, the pictures that they see where daddy's driving and mommy's sitting. And oftentimes mm. mine is in the car really because I don't like driving. He, he will drive, mm -hmm. you know. Mm. So I've now subconsciously mm. reinforced that narrative. So it's, it's tough. But now it is tough. That, that, that's an interesting way to start the conversation yes. around parenting a boy. Oh, okay. Right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> So when you found out that you were, were having a boy, did you have anyone? <coughs> I did. Okay, so speak a bit about that. I did. So in my head, funny enough, I always imagined that I would have three boys and a daughter. D, they can't see you. <laughs> our, our you too, you too. So D yeah. is just, what's it, just, like, just gesticulating. Gesticulating. <laughs> While right next to me, they said, you'd be like, me too, me too. But considering that you can't see, that I'm just going to translate it for y'all. Thanks, Kat. Thank okay. you. So I always, I always wanted three boys and a girl I never I fucking know. wanted that shit I and I was to be a mother like, of girls no I don't know I, I, that's how I always felt in my head but you know like I'm saying it was a frame it's like these theories that you have in your head like yeah you know I'll be that cool mom I'll be that three boys yeah and also because I felt like being a girl myself I've been growing up I was problematic I was lots of things and I was just like yes. fuck was a lot you know my brothers were a lot but I think I could handle that um, but then when I found out I was pregnant I was like oh my god I am bringing a man because he wasn't even a kid at that yeah, point he was a man <laughs> he was a whole black man <laughs> Into the universe. I was birthing the Shambes, your poor vagina. My poor vagina. <laughs> so, so yeah, it really messed with my head because then I was like, what? I mean, immediately my thoughts were like, what kind of mother do I want to be to this boy? Because yes. I will be the primary, the first kind of sounding board or reflection of what is right or isn't right mm. around womanhood, motherhood, femininity, masculinity, Cut all of it. You know, I had all this pressure on myself, you know, because I was going to make the patriarchy right through this <laughs> man in my judgment. <laughs> I told you I was never going to make the patriarchy right with this man in my vagina. <laughs> That's what I said. That was my point. I was like, this is, 
I'm gonna fix it all. You know? <laughs> I know. It's crazy, right? No, it's not crazy. That was me. Are you the same? It was the same. Anyway, sorry. Yes. So, so yeah. So it messed with my head. I was like. <laughs> I was like, no, this is a whole man, and uh, you know, living in on the continent. What are the statistics? You know, like I just went. Yes. Sometimes working in the sector that we work that in doesn't out, help because you live with the statistics in your head all the time. Mm, yeah, mm. and you know that when it's black, yes, of course, the socioeconomic what, 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 but the reality is across the board it's just black men mm. so you're just like oh my god even if he goes to freaking Kersley, I don't know I don't know. <laughs> I knew those UCT guys that were raping girls. So yeah, like, yeah, there yeah. isn't, you yeah, know, yeah. There, there wasn't that frame. And you also, you like, they were not single. They're not from single. You know, all of these things that go on in your head. So, so I was like, I need to get it right. So from mm. the beginning, okay, first day I was like really mad when I was pregnant with Zuzo. Careful, remember, I was angry all the time. I was angry. But I think I was angry because I felt like I needed, like I always wanted kids. But then suddenly like, now I have to have kids because I'm married. And I'm like mm. rebelling against the stereotype of I got married. Mm. And I have kids. And it was a house. And I'm having kids. I mean, it sounds mm. stupid. But I think it's back to what Kath was saying. That some of these ideas and thoughts and the way in which perhaps you watch other people and other women or other feminists that you know live out their lives from outside not mm. necessarily always like as sure. intimately as you would your friends you know you have these conversations around you know I'm never gonna do this I'm never gonna and now mm. you just watch yourself just reproducing this like um, what is it called when they build stuff on a factory floor this conveyor belt yes. a patriarchy you're yeah. making it yeah you know? besides you know because then in your head you're crazy so you're not even thinking around the fact that this is actually I want a relationship with a person Mm-mm-mm. we've always wanted to have mm. children and now we're having children because mm. you know I don't want to have children till I'm 40 I'd like to have them now if I can I've never had kids before mm. so I don't know how long that process could or couldn't be you know mm. so this is a good time to start mm-hmm. you know you're, you're almost like cancel out those kind of thinkings in your head and you're just like I am just becoming this stereotype and I've got a boy and then I I started to think what kind of things do I want to teach him what kind of things do I want him to know I remember telling my family you are not allowed to buy him anything blue because my family is just that family when my nieces were small I would buy them all black outfits and they would just be like who buys a baby a black, black outfit yeah exactly yeah. you know why would you buy them black jeans and a black jacket and I was like I'm breaking up the damn pink you yeah. know <laughs> and even with my nephews I would then buy them like either green or like yellow or like pink you know how they yes. have those outfits and my sisters and like my family would be annoyed with me they're like why do you always why you gotta make everything political <laughs> but this one cousin they were, I think the theme was like she was a girl so it was like flowers and pink yeah. I was just angry at the theme mm-hmm. you know <laughs> and I think I, I don't remember what I bought her but it was not counter it was counter, counter. Mm. so so I was like these are the things that I definitely you know want to teach him mm-hmm. I definitely don't want to, so I would say to my my family buy him all kinds of toys. Mm. Buy him a doll, buy him a teddy bear, buy him a car. Did they ever buy him a doll? Never. Yeah, they just looked so. at me. Yeah. They were like, buy him a doll? Yeah. Like, are you crazy? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, people bought him lots of teddy bears and actually he was obsessed with teddy bears and cars in equal measure and still mm. is at mm. five years old. Mm. And those are like kind of the small things, you know, mm. teaching him that uh, he's, he's a very, my eldest is a very soft and gentle soul. Mm. And so he he doesn't really like rough housing. He doesn't mm. like, like running around too much. So he gravitates more towards playing with girls and I think when he was three or something his mm. friends started teasing him saying you always play with girls you know why are you playing mm. with girls and he was mm. like I don't want to play with girls so I've played it with all these very good friends I was like I don't want to play it with her I want to play it with you know that boy and so I asked him I was like babe you know what's going on these are your friends and you love them and you've been with them since 
play mm. school. And then he told me, he said, like, they're laughing at me because I play with girls and girls are my friends. And then, you know, just luckily it would have it that my best friend is a guy and his dad's best friend is a woman. Mm. And so it was very easy for me to say, you can be friends with whoever you want to mm. be friends with. And that's really important for you to know that. Who's mommy's best friend? Oh, who's there? Who's daddy's best friend? <laughs> so, you know, and those are kind of the small ways because I, I also realized that we learn these things in such incremental pieces. Yes. It isn't this big frame of saying that I want him to accept uh, gender non-conforming people. Hello, Tawi. I'm sick. Eat with Tom. Mama's got hiccups. What is that? Eh? Oh, sorry, I'm more. Do you have hiccups? Hick. Ah, do you have hiccups like me? Hello, Tawi, I'm sick. I love you. Now can I watch <laughs> Okay, fine. Yo, what a rough life this one is. Kath, I want to know in which ways were you having a fanny wobble with Akani? Well, with your pregnancy with him because Lynn started from that point. And I think it's really interesting that you were able to do this kind of trajectory of your son, your first son's life and that kind of moment where also I think you're offering us something quite practical. You're saying, you know, there's this thing. The other kids were like, is it a malume? Is it an auntie? I don't know. And I mean, I think that's real stuff to hold on to because I think, yeah, I think those are real life thing you know people are doing their thing in the world and kids respond to different identities or what they consider different in kind of quotation marks based on how we perceive and create um, normative structures they respond to those things often in way more sophisticated ways than adults do but also i think you're telling us something about how you are doing the stuff right like you're not only like telling us and then i thought this and then i thought this and i think that's really interesting also about children versus relationships or marriage because I think with marriage it comes maybe with a bit of time I don't know maybe the two of you disagree but like you get to the wobble you're like oh I choose you again you choose me again <laughs> she uses this voice more time Harry. oh really I feel like I'm, I'm offended by that voice <laughs> be offended be lots of things I don't care <laughs> is that your married woman yeah. voice You don't. Yeah. They come, they boom, up. Yep. They're there. They, before you know it, they're doing the things in your life. You can't send them back. I mean, your vagina just couldn't deal with it. No. Like, what must happen, right? So they're yeah. there. Yeah. Whereas with partners and marriages, I mean, I, I don't know, guys. I clearly, sometimes I think I was a winner for leaving. Sometimes I'm like, wow, shame. So little endurance you have. Just <laughs> keep practicing on the bike. Maybe you'll do better there. But <laughs> want seven minutes of endurance or intervals i was like endurance i'm practicing anyway so funny. <laughs> so funny. 
If I cannot make it in my marriage, I will make it on this bike. Girl, I win everywhere else in endurance training, just not this. I think so. also because there's something about, I always say for me, marriage is a mirror, continually. Yeah. No matter what you go through, right? It's a mirror. Yeah. And it's tough sometimes to look at that mirror. Whereas kids reflect you in a way that, I don't know, feels less judgmental. I don't know. It just feels less yeah. hard. Like you can see, like I'll see myself reacting to something like, oh my gosh, snap. Mm. That's actually hurting me in my child's spot. Mm. But when my partner does it, it's murder. It's murder. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so yeah. So do you, you also you asked me the question around how did I have a fanny wobble? Yeah. I had a fanny wobble. I, I mean I, I you said this earlier. I didn't really. No, you didn't. And I'm watching yeah. all of you and I mean your whistles. Are you not struggling with having a son though? <sighs> with raising a boy? No. No. I, I mean I think they are challenges, but I'm not Look, look. You don't I think, worry at night, like, will he, will he, will he turn out be, okay? Will you know? Will a girl turn out okay? I don't know, but I think, figure. I, you know, I don't know. I guess it's I don't know because I don't have a daughter. Mm. But I feel like women just work it out because it's yeah. how it's how the production line has been made. Agreed. Women work it out, and yeah. even the women that look like they're not working it out. They out. Yeah. No, I feel like there's a mediocrity <clears throat> with masculinity and men, just in general, that I'm not so afraid of for for Akani. I'm afraid of for Amu. I mean, people clap when they see oh. Joey or Bongani, my husband, baby. or Cedric, my friend, changing babies, talking about their kids. Mm. You know, having an understanding of that kind of thing. I mean, people clap for just more than that. They clap for yep. for them as parents. They clap for them as partners. They clap for them in the, as in boardrooms. There's a perpetual <laughs> applause when for men mediocrity. walk the, yeah, Exactly when men walk through the, the corridors, right? Mm. But with women, I do think that we're just mm. we're more pragmatic. We kind of just get on with the women. Are better at excelling <clears> through really like tough spaces. Yeah. But also, I was afraid of, of raising a perpetrator. Yeah, I told you me that. too. Yes, you said me yeah. too. You know, perpetrator how of anything of anything because yes. of the whole black man. You know, of anything statistic mm. yeah. that exists. Yeah, and it's interesting mm. because <clears throat> I do struggle with the fact that Akani is as masculine as he is. You've said, and I, I mean, I struggle, and I struggle oppositely with. Zuzo, because he's so gentle. I'm like, is he gonna be able to freaking be okay? I almost think mm. I would have been better off with that, Lynn. Like, I, I think know. I would have been better off with a kid that was like, and I almost feel like Amu might be that kid, but I, you can't ascribe those things to a five week old, right? Mm. But the pregnancy, and I know that this sounds like ethereal or whatever the case is, but the pregnancy was easier with Amu, and I do think that there is something to be said about also just energy. Yeah, Akani's energy was like, guys, is. Revved. He's revved and amped all the time. He wants a gun. He wants to shoot. He wants to go hunting. He wants to build fires. That's the kid that I have, right? <laughs> and it would be great if it was Armageddon, but it's also not. So like, what the fuck am I doing with that? an original human. This is what you've done. What sort of Don't even. But I didn't anticipate this about having a little boy. And I feel like I hear you both and I do think we already do the work of not perpetuating misogynist stuff in our homes. And I don't really think that they see that in our relationships with others, whether friends or partners or whatever. And what else can you really do? No, but I do hear Lynn on like, oh, you're in data seat. No, absolutely. So this is what I find fascinating is I do think that with you Mm -hmm. and like current partner, I do think there'll be stuff, right? That will start to settle and if like he moves 
moves here and moves in, whatever, settle even more in a mm. way that isn't as fluid as I think that you imagine. So in a way, it won't be. I remember my mother. My, so my, I was raised by a single mom. I was a single child. In the household, it was just the two of us. My mother could do everything and anything she had to do, all of those things. Mm. And then she got a boyfriend when I was twelve. Mm. And this said boyfriend, who then became baby daddy to second kid, mm. used to sit at the end of the table. Mm. And guys, oh wow. Woo! That shit used to mess with you. Tick me the fuck off. Right. And I would be mm. like, but why does he choose to sit at the head of the table? Surely the head of the table is earned. He hasn't earned it. He's wow. only been here for a couple mm. of months. Why does he think that that's okay? And then because he was married, he would be in and out of our household at any given point in time. And every time he was around, he would sit at the head of the table, but then he wouldn't be there for like three weeks at a time. Sure. Right? That shit used to piss me the fuck off. But interestingly, now hearing Lynn talk about how the, the ways in which the driving happens mm. is that Bo does the predominant amount of driving and you do not and you are always sitting in the passenger seat and he's sitting in the driving seat that's something that resonates with me why does it resonate with me because we share a car myself and joey yeah. and i sit in the passenger seat and he drives because he's taller and the car seat fits behind mm. my seat and doesn't fit behind his right. but it fulfills a stereotypical Absolutely. relationship right Absolutely. i do the predominant amount of cooking right right so that's again fulfills a, predominant, <clears throat> right. it fulfills a stereotype and i, I really struggle with that yeah. because i'm just like but also i don't want to sit down and say what are the stereotypes <laughs> and, of and how do I exactly and then mm. joey must do all the things that are like stereotypically female i must do all the things that i hear you but he must do some you drive he must do some he must your i feel like and and this isn't a judgment this is yeah. just a suggestion that if your kids don't see him doing something that is not a quote unquote guy thing to do that actually falls in the woman's pile of tasks yeah they'll never associate that with boy things but what does that look like so mm. changing nappies sure okay holding your kids well your kids sure. not always in nappies so think i don't know he's not going to start cooking maybe tomorrow mm. but like what does that look like in your household yeah. which you already do mm. morning Okay, so we just we took a little break and we uh we somehow found ourselves in the middle of a super super interesting conversation around mothering and our dreams essentially yeah. and what that looks like. Lynn gave me the trajectory mothering, of partnering that. And yes, our absolutely. Yeah. Mothering, partnering, and so such a pertinent in insertion there. And and, and children and then our dreams. Yeah. And that, you know, just ten years ago it would have been our dreams and oh it would be nice to have a partner and some kind of like <clears throat> fantasy about what that looks like and now we're all squarely in the middle of it yeah Lynn maybe you want to kind of recap what you said about being in Swaziland as a young woman and right. how you thought that right making moves in different ways would yeah. get you to kind of certain cultural and political centers that would really have kind of pushed your career forward right. and and here you find yourself right. and here you find space. yourself in a completely different space and the yeah. kind of conundrum many of us find ourselves in yeah. yo I'll say it again and again like if I'd had Paui first I would yeah. not have finished wow. my PhD I would wow. not have it is just too hard people <clears throat> do it big ups yeah. Not me. Jesus knew that. Jesus yeah. answered my prayers. Jesus didn't answer your prayers, babes. You answered your prayers. You were up on that PhD in the last, like, while you were pregnant. I was like, I'm in bed with a cup of tea and a biscuit. You were like, I'm typing out my PhD. You did that shit, girl. Anyway, sorry. That was a. Uh, 
Yes, I was just saying that in my mind, I always imagined this illustrious career mm. journey, whatever that meant in my head. And looking at myself now and realizing that that's actually not the trajectory that my life is taking. And this particular job that I have now, I realize is the kind of job that I really wanted in my 20s. But mm. being a mother of two young kids, um, you're traveling all traveling the time. all the time actually has had real implications for the relationship with my partner sure. and also with my kids and from the family setting because mm. of the pivotal role that a woman still plays within, you know, given, whatever. And even though, I mean, my, my structures are, are really amazing. I think in comparatively, I'm really lucky. I have amazing help. Bongani will, you know, I mean, he, he will never say no if it's something that I need. Mm. But I had to kind of look at it and realize, and that was hard for me to get to the realization that actually women can't have it all. And so, Dee, yeah. you were saying that, and it's, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing when you realize, because I was really enjoying this job and it was challenging me and waking me up in ways mm. that I think after having two kids, you've even forgotten you things mm. that you wanted. Mm. You know, having conversations and, you know, being able to kind of dream and think and plan and develop strategically programs that do different things. Mm. I work for an organization that prides itself in trying to be radical, whatever that means, but means for me sure. that I actually have room to dream and to breathe. And mm. I can actually like, you know, I have a program that looks at the role of unpaid care work mm. and how, you know, that really is an issue regarding young women being able to access any kind of work the few organizations that give a damn they're just like mm. wash the damn dishes girl mm. you know but then realizing that this amazing opportunity that I've given is causing a significant strain on my partnership and with my kids my kids were regressing they were acting out even my helper was overwhelmed and, and being like okay I can't do this in the way that I know that this work requires right now is hard. Mm. And so Dee was coming in to say, well, maybe in a couple of years that time that might swing around and it possibly will, but mm. I'll still have to ask my question. If I want to be the kind of mother that I'd like to be, because now I have to take that seriously in a way that, mm. you know, we're talking about just grappling with who do I want to raise my kids? Who do I want to influence their thoughts and make sure they don't become perpetrators? You know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> You've said something super interesting now, which is that, and I mean, it's a weird thing to say, but I'll just articulate it in the way that it comes to me. So you've said that you can't do what the job, you can do what the job requires, but not with the same kind of level of zeal and kind of or enthusiasm energy or energy and commitment, right? Right. That is required because you, your priorities, your fundamental priorities lie elsewhere. Yeah. And that was... Fun. Okay. So... My question to you is, for kids, and I've seen this happen, for kids who have to or do see their moms choose the other version, do you read that or do either of you read that as feminist work in practice? Because I also who think there's what? something choose who the choose career. like... Well, the, the, the thing is, I, I wonder, because, and this is partly because I guess I hold my own work so close to my heart, as I mm. think we all do, like yeah. our, our big, big passions, we all very, very dearly. And I think that just for our sons to see that is all already a big deal yeah a right b i think for them to see us desire explosives in our careers is a big deal yeah. because it tells them moms also get to desire wonderful things whatever that looks like for mom right what whichever iteration of greatness and this isn't to say to whatever like you know moms who aren't in corporate or moms yeah, who aren't yeah. in like whatever that specific like. industries yeah, whatever sure. the hell that looks like now yeah. no no judgment on yeah, that yeah. right yeah. but i'm curious about what you're saying because you're saying that you feel or what the way I interpret what you're saying is that you're saying that for you to feel like you're giving them the best deal, you feel you have to be present in 
very specific ways for now yeah. for, for now, now. Yeah. Yeah. right okay yeah i guess that for me because certainly this was the case for me and i feel like i'm still experiencing a lot of this in academia with moms who are single moms for example yeah. or who are figuring out lots of different things where yeah. they have to travel and they have to figure it out and where with the kids it might appear that they're choosing their careers over their kids but i often <laughs> wonder what that means for the kid who's watching mm. the mom do that can it not be read as a positive mm. right so and i hear you and actually in a way i think mm. that this might be an easier thing to do as a single parent mm easier in some ways granted you need more resources you need more blah 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 yeah. blah but you're not navigating another person yeah. Yeah. you're not navigating a partner you're yeah. saying i need the help you trust your help and however that you know whatever that looks like for you whether it's family or someone you employ or both or friends or whatever that community might look like for you but you make those choices mm. and i think in that way also i think partnering presents as an interesting challenge mm. but a challenge nonetheless mm. right because I, i think it is i definitely Definitely agree. So I grew up and my mom worked. Mm. We were raised by, you know, we used to call her Andy. She was she was our primary care person. My, my mother worked and she travels a lot, and mm. she was always like she loved to pray for people. So she'd just go from house to house. like she had her own yeah. thing. Mm. And so mm. I grew up seeing that and seeing her passionate about those things. Mm. So and I know that that fundamentally was positive for me because you know the way in which I gravitated towards. I mean, she didn't really love. I think her career the way that I think you know she might have if I think circumstances would have been different. Sure. But she went to work. She did her work. She was you know she was always we knew that she you know she was pursuing her career and whatever that looked like for her. I think for me the reality is and maybe it's because I can't multitask. Sometimes I just lay down to that. The kind of work that I would want to do I just don't have the energy for mm. I don't have the energy yeah. for and also it requires of me to be completely single minded mm. in a way that I just can't right now and it's not to say like you like you were saying earlier that in you know, a couple of years time change. it may change sure. but if I have to choose right now I have to I feel like I have to and I'm not like I'm quitting my job it's not like I'm changing yeah, yeah. it's not like even I'm changing my job yeah. it means that I've had to reorganize the way in which I work so I'm not as involved it means that I'm still involved in the passion projects that I am I'm mm-hmm. still you know pursuing that but just not in the same level of kind of effort and energy and focus yes. that yes. I wish I could yes you know this is this is why I was saying that if I was in my 20s it would be all about it I would yes because you'd have all the energy I would have that. I would have all the energy but also I would have all the time mm. I wouldn't have the tug of war that's real mm. for me in my heart you know to say okay cool I need an op-ed up by tomorrow but Zuzun needs to go to the doctor Bongan is traveling mm. you need to my, my husband doesn't have a car and I have to now leave this meeting to go and do that yes. the things for whatever reason at the moment yeah. are just they're just not able to do no I completely hear that but not to say I, women aren't doing mm. it because Some women were holding it all down. Babe, I don't think anyone's holding it all down. <laughs> And that's just the fact. I don't think anyone's holding it all down. Yeah. I think that at any given time we all make choices. Yeah. And I think that yeah. your situation, the one you've just outlined now is not I don't think unique. it's unique, you know. I say to students like these are my office hours sometimes because I know I have to pop out quickly, I have yeah. to get tawi or you know. Yeah. So there yeah. are many ways in which I think we make things work. And I don't yeah. think that that is an anti-feminist project. Yeah. You know? Yeah. In fact, I think it is a feminist project. But I love what you said as well around, you know, your kids seeing you pursue passionate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really yes. important. That is important for me. Purposeful projects outside yes. of a home. Yeah. That is important you know, for me. I agree yeah. that that's completely. And and not only not only our kids, but boys. 
in general. It is important for me that Tawi sees that yes, his dad travels wherever and does really fascinating work and accept exhibitions and you know, but also mama goes out and does this and and actually sometimes Mm. I mommy can't be home because mommy has this work thing. Mm. It's it's important to me to say that to Mm. him. Mommy yesterday I Mm. couldn't be home. Fine, it was an inane task, whatever. I had to sit there and like be part of an invigilation team. But the point is is part of that's part of my responsibility mm. in my mm. job, in mm. what I do, in my role. Mm. And it is crucial to me that he knows. And he sees that. that he, and that he sees, exactly, yeah. that he sees that, that mom has worked. Yeah. And that his other big primary caregiver, that Will, for example, sure. my partner who comes and goes every week, that he knows. Will goes away and, and he works. comes back. And yeah. So he, look, he's not the most emotionally, what is it, dex, 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 dexterous. Dex, Yes, child. And he struggles a bit with change. But it is interesting to me that... And it's important to me, more than interesting, that he understands that caregivers come and they go. But more importantly, that mom comes and mom also works and mom can come back. You know, and that they're not only like male figures who do that. Do you know what I mean? But I think what I struggle with, and you said it because you were like, maybe this is easier for a single parent to do this, this, Mm. is that what I struggle with is I struggle with the fact that if you have two parents in a household mm. and both are gone yeah so i do struggle with the reliance on on help yeah so as much as like it's i'm not even gonna lie it is an aspiration of mine to mm. have like a full you know a full-time yes, sure. live-in person mm. who can assist with the the, the load of mm. what that looks like on a day-to-day i am still i mean and this is a fairly new thing i mean we've had full-time help we haven't mm. had full-time live-in help until recently i do struggle with what that then means in terms of how much like in my political mind can i give up to her to do and then it's still on the back of women right and it might not be on my back but it's still on the back of women that's the first thing and i'm not even trying to be like radical or whatever but it's like it just doesn't fit or feel nice like it almost would feel better if it was a situation where joey was like no don't worry we can work it out where it's a three-way thing i do i feel Mm. like it's very much like i'm working out with this helper right Mm. so i do think that like i wonder about like if you're in a relationship with someone and you're co-parenting with said person but then you rely and he's very clear to be like no this helper has it like why don't you go off and do this thing and I'm like but it would be better if you had it do you know what I mean like so I think that that's still something that I'm kind of still grappling with in a way where I don't have the answers yet I mean you know I've always had full time help all the time but it's it's interesting that it's, it's so clear and I don't know how it rolls out because not like we ever sat down and we're like this is your role this mm. is your role mm. what we had was you know basic things like this is when you know you work and this is when you stop working and then between Bongani and I we share it <laughs> For me, the hardest thing has been like, oh my God, my role is still huge. Mm. Even with the full-time absolute support that I have. Mm. And my, my help is really phenomenal. Like I really must say. She's just, she's really great. The, the role is still huge. The burden still feels a lot. You know, like what you're saying earlier, Kath, around both parents traveling. I mean, my kids know me to work more than their dad. Mm. <laughs> Often say, because I will work, you know how it is in your sector. You work over weekends, you work sure. over holidays, you work into evenings, you have workshops where you sleep over, you travel and sleep. Also, my kids will always say, mommy, sleeps at work <laughs> they say that about joey so that's what they say about joey mm. 
Yeah. So that's and, and it's hectic for the kid, right? To have any it's kids. easier to have a partner who can balance that out. So I feel, and I don't know about Bo, right? But right. I feel like I've been shoehorned yeah. into being that partner. Does that make sense? Who, who, who holds who, it down? Who holds it down? And yeah. I feel like I feel like if I was equally like Joey, just being like ambitious, I don't give a shit. I'm mm. I'm away. I'm mm. out. Right. Firstly, I have the guilt of like being like one parent mm. has to be home yeah. eighty to ninety percent of the time. Absolutely. So even if we have help, I can't mm. be that person who's just like I'm coming back at seven thirty, eight thirty, Absolutely. whatever the case is, eighty percent, ninety percent of the time. Right. Could maybe do it on the odd occurrence, yeah. right? Mm. But not yeah. with the regular that yeah. I think that Joey does it mm-hmm. but he does it because he knows that I'm there yeah. and then he'll 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 placate his feelings and mm-hmm. say no 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 I'm doing it because the Auntie Dunu is there no Auntie Dunu is there and you should do the same and I'm like I don't think he would feel that way if I matched him in terms of the, the, the level of work no. that he has right no. I do think that mm-hmm. in a way like if you're a single parent because I was raised by a single mom she worked a lot mm-hmm. because she had she to had as to. a single parent right yeah. either I I would be with family, like I'd be with my my grandparents, who I was raised with very much so, or I would be with her. Mm. So I would be in her place of work mm. until eight, nine o'clock in the evening, mm. working. Well, she would be working, and I would be like, she would kind of get food for me and kind of like haphazardly kind of stitch it together. Mm. And there were long periods of time where, mm. that was, where that was the case, right? That was because she had to. When there's two people, I do think that one person does take a backseat, and I don't know how sustainable that is. One, but also what that fundamentally looks like when mm. it fulfills a very heteronormative stereotype yeah. around the man being the one externally yes. working where my boys are saying or at least my, my one who's more cognizant is saying is dad sleeping at work today mm. and mom is seen as the person who's at home yeah, but, so mine is twisted a little bit because I'm the opposite mm. and I, th- I do think if I was like in corporate and earning gallons of money that Bo would be that other parent literally mm. and it's, it's fascinating because I mean I don't earn the most money but the NGO kind of work machine is that we just work continuously mm. means that they know me as that person mm. they know me as the person who sleeps at work who mm. you know I, you know, I couldn't come early to pick you up because it was work yeah. or whatever the case is because yeah. I love my work mm. and it overruns in my head yeah. right and so for me having to and that's yeah. not necessarily a bad no, thing it's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing at all I just I'm not saying that to you but I'm just saying it to people who might be listening yeah. or, it's not a yeah, bad yeah. which just, is why it was hard for me to realize that mm. I can't have it all Mm. I can't have it all not right now anyway not in the way in which I envisioned what all would look like because all was you know and, and I mean I'm, I'm doing my work I'm doing really well I'm enjoying it I'm you know I'm passionate mm. about it behind it supports me mm. implicitly like you won't even like pull a face if I'm like oh babe I've got to travel it was only like this last couple of you know this last six month stretch where I think I traveled mm. almost every second week True. straight up yeah. for six Salad. months yeah, yeah. and then he was just like okay yo you're never around actually mm. you're never around and the kids are now starting to ask me blah 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 what is it that we you know we want to do Mm. is this what it is if it is Mm. we've got to look at it in a different Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. and then also asking myself do I want to be an absent mom Mm. for the passion that I have but do dads ask themselves well that's what I exactly what I was going to say and that's what I find fascinating because for me I'm preemptively I'm not even in a job that's highly demanding or whatever right Mm. but I'm preemptively asking myself like do I want to be that kind of mom like whatever the case is he asks himself this all the time I don't think I don't think for me for my partner mm. I can tell you uncategorically well I will that. say I cannot not take Zuzu for soccer because what kind of father would I be yeah mm. I cannot not show up for his swimming babe we have to I mean some of these recitals I'm like babe I like 
I can't and be like, you didn't go to the last one, or I didn't go to the last one. Can one of us please mm. make it? Mm. So, mm. like, he's that person. Yeah. Mm. So for me, I've had to ask myself, like, damn, do I want to be? He's the one who, you know, he's. He, if Bonnie could, he would like work from his house and like meet people over Skype while he's able to kind of parent mm. as his primary mm. right. role. Right. Mm. I mean, uh, I don't know, D. I don't know. I don't. That has nothing to do with any feminist theory or anything. It's just the way my life's set up. Yeah. At yeah. the moment. No, it's super interesting. Oh. Are you done? I don't know. What are you doing? I'm making trees for you. You're making treats or trees? Treats. Treats. Treats for me. I'm making trees and treats. Trees and treats? Yes. Okay, that's a bit strange, but thank you. Okay, you too. I think this has been fabulous and just a super rich and exciting episode yeah. yet again. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lynn. Totally a meander, though, right? And I think that we say this all the time about mm. all the the things that we discuss. Is that I do think that there are many things we'll probably come back to in various mm-hmm. different iterations. Mm. I think relationships are just hard and complex, mm-hmm. and relationships mm-hmm. with people where you're trying to navigate like not one but two but three but four mm. individuals within mm. a household, whatever you know, and like making sure that everybody comes out at the end hole which is hard to do and sometimes not entirely possible and you have to believe that 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 too is fine exactly that that too is fine so anyone gonna turn like 2021 and go haha who cares what those losers said (laughs) (laughs) please you know so I I find that stuff interesting and Mm. I think that some of it is as I think you said very early um, in the episode Lynn you said you know some of what you learn in your family constellation is it's like in your soul like mm. part of the blueprint stuff right mm. and that stuff yes it does get set up really early mm. but also how incredible that we mm. get to sit here 30 plus years later and go hey that's the blueprint and we right. liked some of it and some of it was actually kind of incredible problematic right. but incredible and here we still are and so as you both said you mm. get to learn and unlearn and mm. learn and unlearn and I think that if those are the kinds of humans that we're creating then yay go us we're winning right because we're creating you feminist people right because that's the argument that and i hope you know. that by the time they're older maybe feminist men is a thing and maybe they know how to own that and i'm never gonna teach you that feminist ever i'm that person i you hear that no i hear that and i think they the must... same for tawi he must know <laughs> he must know his place in the world but i also think that it is important that yeah. he thinks about constantly Absolutely. thinks about and also has Absolutely. the language to think about if i wanted to be this thing what Absolutely. is that and what would it be and yeah. ask himself questions like, ask himself, do i want to ask be, am your I present boys father am i uh, a supportive enough husband mm-hmm. or partner or whatever it is you know that they are in the end mm. and also sorry i just wanted to say what you said very long ago but i think even homosexual relationships and certainly there's absolutely. been a lot about that yeah, lately absolutely. about the replication of heteronormativity within homosexual yeah, relationships absolutely. so the kind of the power of yeah. heteronormativity is really fueled by capitalism across board, yeah. and across the board of course. so you know yeah. and here we're also trying to navigate these issues in yeah. really complex ways right yeah so we hope that you've enjoyed this meander of an episode. Yes. It certainly is that. So welcome to MWA. We love you lots. Keep listening. Hey, I'm Kathleen. And I'm Dee. And you're listening to Mamas with Attitude, otherwise known as MWA. Mama, 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 Attitude. The That's same way so I immersed myself in my career. Yeah. You've now immersed yourself I've now in immersed motherhood. myself in motherhood. Mommy's a bounce. Mommy's a bounce.
It's mama's the bones. Weird. Yeah. You know, motherhood just comes to take on its different shapes and forms. Mama, mama, mama. <laughs> no, actually, seriously, on a serious note, it's it's been really dope. Thank you. Okay, bye. Mama, 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 mama. Up next on MWA, we chat to Oka Collins, an expert with preschoolers and toddlers. I didn't even think that was possible. An expert with toddlers, but it is. Let's chat to her.